I get to talk about hope today, and I want to talk about it at a different angle that's been uh, approached up till now. I want to start off by saying that I believe that hope is incredibly vital to, to us as humans. When I took a survival course, uh, uh, it was a secular uh, course uh, on survival, uh, I learned that uh, three is a very important number when it comes to survival because you can die in three seconds by making a bad decision, by climbing an unsafe tree, by trying to jump off a cliff that you could die from. Take about three seconds to die from that. Could. Uh, it take three minutes to die without air. Could take three hours to die without shelter. Could take three days to die without water. It could take uh, three weeks to die without food. And three months to die without hope. They found that in survival situations, if people uh, were left longer than three months and they didn't have hope, they found that people would usually die through, I'm not sure what the circumstances are, but, but without hope. Hope is important. God design, designed us to, to yearn for hope, to have hope. The world is full of people who are without hope. A lot of times you, you'll see that everything seems fine and dandy, um, whether the people in music videos and then you watch the news and you find out that their whole life is a wreck and then they're dealing with depression and stuff. Most people uh, struggle with these things. And it is uh, my desire this morning to remind you that a, uh, as a person who follows in the footsteps of Jesus, you have, you contain more hope than any other created thing in the known universe. And I know that that is, a, that is a heavy claim to make, but I'll even take it a step further and say that Jesus is the only hope that can satisfy the void inside the human heart. Everything else passes away. Everything else is temporary. In the beginning of Matthew, chapter 24, the disciples were uh, leaving the temple of Jesus, and something peculiar happens. Jesus left the temple. It says, uh, chapter 24, verse 1 says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, Jesus says, he asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Talk about a mood killer. I mean, these guys, it was just a helpless question. Like, check out this, this crown, it's in this trim, it's fantastic. What do you think, Jesus? You're, you've been working at carpentry. And then he throws this out there. Uh, mood killer. But see, the thing is, sometimes as Christians, we forget that our hope is in Jesus. Not in buildings, not in programs, not in Christmas concerts, not in worship experiences. It's in Jesus. Long after the Leamington Evangelical Mennonite Mission Church will cease to exist, and one day it will, Jesus will reign. My hope isn't in what happens here. It's in what happened 2,000 years ago, and that will live on throughout eternity. Up to now, there's been, there have been three sermons uh, on hope, 
Pastor Willie spoke on the foundation of hope and how it should be in Jesus and how it's rooted in Scripture. Pastor Ike spoke on uh, renewed hope and what happens when hope fails us and how to embrace the love of Jesus as he stands in our place through the overwhelming times of, of distress. Pastor Frank spoke last week on the hope and the silence How just because we don't hear anything, it doesn't mean God isn't speaking and moving in your life. And that he is present now with us, and he has always been present throughout history. And when we move, you will hear God, and you will be his messenger. Now I want to remind us on what that looks like. Now this is a fun topic, because everything that comes out of hope Every branch that comes out of hope is usually a good thing. There's topics like love, boldness, endurance. I want to bottleneck my thought processes and and outline joy. I look around and I see a world that is robbed of joy. Even Christians have robbed themselves of joy because at some point in time in their life they've pinned their hope on something that's temporary here in this world. Money, pride, better job, better car, better iPhone. Our standard of hope has to be higher than this. Something special happens when you dare to hope in the real Jesus. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, uh, it calls us to rejoice in hope, or can be paraphrased as, let your joy be the joy that comes from hope. There is a, there's a relationship between the two. Every time I looked up hope in scripture, you'd always, found, you'd always find joy hanging around somewhere. I don't want to brag or anything, but I think I'm pretty good at picking up certain cues when it comes to relationships. I am a youth pastor, so this stuff happens quite frequently, and I found a pretty interesting trend. I found that when a teenage boy in particular likes a girl, he tends to be incredibly annoying, (laughs) especially to this girl. Uh, This is a little word to teenage guys, keep notes. When a teenage boy likes a girl, they'll go up to them often, and they'll just start poking them. (laughs) And they think that nobody else is picking up on this stuff. But I'm giving my Bible study, I'm seeing this. And I'd even be willing to look the other way if the girl wants to slap them. But that doesn't happen, because a lot of times girls like, ooh, I'm appreciated, you know? And... (laughs) Joy is constantly poking... Hope. Hope doesn't really do anything about it because she kind of likes him too. Joy and hope, they're a couple. They are inseparable. What is joy? What is Christian joy? John Piper says that uh, Christian joy is not an act of willpower, but a spontaneous emotional response of the heart. Christian joy has this in common with all joy, whether Christian or not. But there is a difference. Because joy that is not rooted in something eternal, that isn't rooted in something heavy, solid, foundational, um, 
it, it, it tends to be flimsy and superficial. It isn't deep. The world is bent on being happy, like the superficial, flimsy, happy, uh, this quick fix type of happy. A happiness that only lasts a moment and then is gone. How do we know this? Well, because as soon as a bump in the road comes along, the happy feeling is quickly gone with the wind. Joy doesn't do this. And like Johnny Cash would say, when it is being held to the fire, it withstands it. It sticks around. It's still there when the dust settles. It still remains. The joy doesn't leave like the flimsy happiness of this earth. It sticks around. Because it is rooted in something eternal. Something is, that is beyond something that can't just leave you. That is something special. That is something that nobody can take from you. This is how powerful this joy is. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says this. We rejoice in our partying. No, it doesn't say that. It says, we rejoice in our sufferings. What? We rejoice? It's got to be a misprint. We rejoice in our Christmas gatherings. No, it says we rejoice in our sufferings. How in the world do you rejoice in your sufferings? I'll tell you. A joy that is so powerful that it surpasses the limits of our material world and is rooted in something much more. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 says this, You receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the, of the Holy Spirit. You receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, In a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of liberality. We possess an eternal hope that creates a joy that can withstand the worst of times. There is nothing that is natural about this hope. Nothing. Nothing is natural about this joy. Uh, a joy that is centered in, in this hope, it's a spiritual joy. When something is called spiritual in Scripture, it means that it is rooted, it originated, it is birthed from the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's important to know. Because something like pride, that's natural. Pride is birthed from the spirit of man. Envy is natural. It resides in the spirit of man. Jealousy, anger, strife, self-pity, etc., etc., etc. Those are all natural things. What's unnatural are fruits of the Spirit. Like in Galatians 5.22, uh, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Those things, those things do not come natural to us. Romans 14.17 says that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy. And the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, on several occasions, said that he wanted to have his joy fulfilled in his disciples, according to John 15, 11. Now, in short, your joy is a reflection on where your hope lies. Is your hope going to lie in getting that job promotion? 
Is it going to lie in, in, in uh, getting married, having grandchildren, having safe grandchildren, safe kids? Where, where does your hope lie? It has to go deeper than, than the world's expectations of hope. Now, I want to give a disclaimer when I talk about hope. Because there is actually a false hope. Now, we know that the flimsy hope of this world is the hope that lies, without Christ, that lies outside of Christ. But a lot of us who are Christians even claim this false hope. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I believe this is very dangerous. In Matthew chapter 13, 20, there's a parable about a bunch of seeds that are being sown and, and the different conditions that they have to grow. And that is pretty much a parable on how people accept the kingdom, right? So, in, in chapter 13, verse 20, this is what it says. Jesus is explaining it. He said, As for what was sown on rocky soil, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Which sounds pretty normal, because that's what we as believers do. Yet, yet, he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and when tribulations and, and, and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. See, this is a joy that doesn't belong to God. Even though we may have put God's stamp on it, it's not his. The Spirit did not have his work in it. It evaporates as soon as the sun touches it. It disappears at the first sight of trouble because it operates in the comforts that God has given us. It operates in the, the cushions, the, the privileges that we have. But as soon as those privileges leave, if we see our joy go, we know that our joy wasn't rooted in the Holy Spirit. For me, this is very convicting because I find that temptation as soon as something goes wrong in my life, just throw in the towel. I'm like, What? But that is not the joy that lies in the hope that Christ has given us. As soon as the comforts leave, so do the joy and this false joy. In case any of you aren't watching the news, every year it seems as though Christianity is being treated with more and more hostility. I know a lot of you who watch even something like Duck Dynasty uh, the, the main character was, was fired. Now there's still a lot of stuff going on. It's very fresh, like how are they going to proceed with this? But it's raising a lot of questions. How far uh, is media going to go uh, to, to snuff out Christian uh, ethics? Something that 20 years ago would not have been a controversial thing to say because it was Christian and our nations were Christian. But now suddenly they're being treated with hostility. More and more, the privileges that we are having as Christians are leaving. But our joy should never leave with it. Now, um, I got to landscape and, and roof in my younger years, and I always feel old when I say that. In my younger years. Um, it wasn't that long ago. It was like probably seven years ago. Um, but anyways, when I, not even, uh, when when I uh, was landscaping, I, uh, I was landscaping with people who were not believers. And, and I quickly realized that my 
occupation there would not necessarily be first landscaping. It would be first not making my boss angry at me, second landscaping. Um, it seemed as though I worked for a father and son thing, and it's like everyone were bosses and everyone liked to yell at me because I was the rookie. And so I would constantly try to not make people angry at me while I was doing stuff, but I still found ways to make people angry at me, which was very frustrating. Uh, I remember one particular time, uh, which was horrifying to me, but uh, it was my first time unloading lawnmowers from a trailer. I would go grab a lawnmower, and I would walk off, and what you're supposed to do is put the lawnmower to the side and, and do whatever else, but I decided to walk off and leave it there. Meanwhile, this big guy go up there, grabbed his lawnmower, and did what he always did for years, is blast out of there. He knew his job so well, he didn't even need to look behind him. Except for the fact he forgot that I was working, and uh, blew over my lawnmower, and just set off a firestorm that would scar me for life. And even the people who were usually yelling at me were like finding themselves almost protecting me. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, luckily, by the grace of God, I didn't last too long at that job. <laughs> they weren't too ha um, sad, but uh, yeah, anyways, <laughs> people weren't supposed to laugh at that. Um, and then I got to work for a roofing company, uh, which was owned by a, uh, an amazing man of God who was a Christian. He was... Uh, one of my greatest teachers, and he would never consider himself a teacher. And uh, he would constantly be singing, and he'd be... And, and when something would happen, where in my mind, I'd have flags, run, run, run! It'd be like, because something happened, boss was going to start yelling. Uh, but he was like, well, guess we'll have to fix that. And I'm like... <laughs> and he just had this joy. Um, the ideal roofer, I realized quickly, is... Um, a person who's about five foot four, 120 pounds, because uh, when you're working on a roof, uh, when you're putting on fresh shingles, and all your roofers know what I'm talking about, uh, the sun makes them very warm, and you can't w walk on them a certain way, or else they all smear. I was um, six foot three and 190 pounds, and I found I would just smear them all up walking across the roof, and uh, and I looked back and I looked at how I was walking and how everyone else is walking. And my boss just looked, I saw the disappointment in his eyes because I just totally botched up his work there. And he said, well, I guess you're just going to have to fix that. <laughs> like, and it just, that, it has never left me. The way he reacted to situations where other people would freak out, he was just like, you know what? I know that this is just a job. I know that mistakes happen. And, and, and he was just had this grace about him. And it just was really a, a, a great teaching tool for me to, to live out this joy amidst those little hiccups uh, uh, that happen in life. So when, my question to you is, when do you find yourself most in tune with God? When things are going your way? Or do you throw in the towel? Do you... Do you explode when the, the smallest things come? Do you, do you have the joy that's not rooted in what this world, what this material world can give you? 
Most of you who know me know that I'm probably uh, more of a drummer than, than I am a preacher. Uh, I, I love rhythm, and, and, for, and some time ago, I, I used to be in a band called Rebel 47, and there was once a, a guy, yeah, all right, if you don't know me with hair, there I am. Anyway, always sad seeing that picture. But uh, the, the guy right below me here, his name is also Peter Clausen. Now, um, very confusing being in a band with a guy with the exact same name as you and looks absolutely different in every way, shape, and form. Um, but Peter and I uh, were good friends. We, our band decided to, to let him into our band uh, because he had this air about him, this energy and this joy that we loved so much. And uh, we called him Little Pete to distinguish between us because I was tall and he was short and it seemed to work. We, lack of creativity. We used all our creativity for music. And uh, so anyways, so we, uh, we, we played together and about 10 years ago we played our last show when we received a call that uh, when Pete was on his way to go snowboarding up north, he was in a terrible accident. He was outside on the road after uh, a little bit of a, a, a traffic mishap, and he was going to check to see if other people were okay in the other vehicle when another vehicle, because of the ice, uh, lost control and uh, hit him. And the, the other vehicle was traveling at speeds approximately 120 kilometers an hour. And <clears throat> any human being would have died uh, given that impact. A, uh, but the physicians say that the only thing that saved his life is the fact that when the vehicle came, he did what often comes unnatural, and that is embracing yourself. So embracing himself... It obliterated his arms and his legs, but internal organs. The, the blast itself took him uh, 100, over 100 meters. Uh, they actually couldn't even find him. And, uh, and so the only way they found him is uh, with his broken body. He crawled out of the muck, out of the ditch, and, uh, and he literally had his life just kind of drained from him. And at that very moment, by chance, a doctor happened to be there. Got out of the vehicle, threw a, uh, a jacket on him, kept him warm, and kept him conscious. Called the ambulance, which came, and, and they loaded him up. And here they have a wreck of a person who was conscious, and they knew, they knew their training. He was not going to make it. They couldn't airlift him because it was too risky, and driving to Toronto would be too long. The only other hospital that was closest was Bellevue Hospital, which was a sm- small hospital, and they did not have the resources to work on this poor young man's body. Uh, the ironic thing about this is uh, uh, Pete's dad, Peter's dad, had died in a uh, car accident uh, when, when his father was roughly the same age. 
And he was always afraid of reaching that age because he was afraid of dying in a, in a similar accident. Anyways, that aside, Peter, in his state, even in the ambulance, they're trying to figure out how they're going to keep this guy alive. And, uh, and to pass the time, Peter proceeded to joke with these men, which kind of freaked them out a little bit. And so then they thought he was losing his mind. And then when they asked him basic questions to see where he was at mentally, he answered them all perfectly, which scared them even more because that said that he was in the correct state of mind and he chose to joke. And, um, and so uh, he couldn't see. His eyes were ruptured. Literally, his whole body was broken. And they brought him to the Bellevue Hospital, and he was praying. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And it just so happened that on that day, every single, uh, uh, there was a conference being held in that hospital with, a spe- uh, with all the specialists in, in all of Canada. They flew in from BC, from wherever, um, skin specialists, um, you, you name it. And they were all there. Exactly what Peter needed, he had. And they began working with him. And as they did, our congregation, the family, and many of you who are sitting here today are actually, you know the story better than I do because you're family with uh, Pete. And he, he started healing. Miracle after miracle started happening. And the joy that came out of him was just unreal. It was unnatural. The people who were looking after him knew it was unnatural because they were, nurses were, were noted to stay long after their shift because they couldn't help but be around such joy. At one point, they even questioned him, why in the world are you so happy when we get people coming in here with a fraction of the damage you've withstood, and they're cursing and swearing things at us, and he, he said, I'm, I'm like this because I don't, this isn't my real body. See, I believe, my faith tells me that I have a different body waiting for me. So, so for me, this isn't, I have a better body waiting for me. See, his hope lied, lied in something else. And so it just blew people away. And his joy was even in the worst of situations, even with his lungs collapsing twice. And the doctors coming in and saying, Peter, we're going to have to tell you that because of the extensive damage done to your legs, you will be confined to a wheelchair for the rest of your life. And Peter responded by saying, yes! <laughs> and the doctors are like, why? And, and he said, well, because now I get front row seats at the movie theater. <laughs> and, uh, and so the doctors are like, okay. And, um, and even when they were putting him down to put all the bones back together, literally, puzzle, puzzle back together. His bones didn't just break, they shattered. And they had to find pieces. We have to find bones, it's not a good thing. And they did, and the doctor said, you're never going to play guitar again. And he's like, well, you better because I have a, sh- I-, I have a show coming up. <laughs> and the doctor's like, and then he passed out from the anesthetics. <laughs> and, and so that was his life. And, and before you know it, from Toronto, they're like, 
you're healing so fast, we're going to put you to London. From London, and he kept making his way back here. By the time he got to London, our whole band went to go visit him. And when we saw him, like my heart just shrunk. It just fell into my stomach here. It's like, oh, man, it's this guy who was in my band, and he's totally broken up. And, and, and later on, I found out he was faking it, but like he was all like, he's skinny, and he's all the scars. And, and I'm going over, and he's like, I'm a, so I'm going over, I'm giving him a hug, and the moment I give him a hug, he shrieks in pain, which I jump back because I think I just broke him, and then he's laughing. And that's the type of joy. It's annoying sometimes, but his joy was rooted in a hope that goes beyond our, our circumstances. You know, and, and, and I don't know if I could even believe this if I didn't have a person like Pete in my life. You know, because I look at my circumstances and I'm like, that was hard. I'm supposed to be joyful in that? And then I look at his life and I'm like, well, I guess it's possible. I guess, right? And it is. Scriptures say it is. Well, little Pete is walking. He defied the laws of medical science. And he is walking and he's running and doing cartwheels, whatever else he is doing. And uh, he's now currently residing in Toronto doing what he loves. He's a recording artist. I had the pleasure of recording with him. And, and this is actually a picture of us uh, two years ago. We're in a music video. And he's playing guitar. You know what he told me? He said, you know what the weird thing is, Peter? Is that after the accident... I can play faster and better than I could before the accident. They told me I wasn't supposed to play guitar. You try to do the math on that. And I was demoted from drummer to Nazi, right there. (laughs) Not sure how that works either. Anyways, it was a good time. Do you feel spiritual joy in your life? Take this season that is often the theme of joy. Reignite your love for Jesus. Rediscover him. Root it in something that goes beyond what you see, beyond your circumstances, because there is something more powerful. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe you're sitting here, you're like, I have never even heard of this. I've never experienced this joy. Maybe all you know is the joy that comes and goes with the changing of the winds. Well, then I want to invite you to give all that you know and all that you have to Jesus because he is the only thing that can do that for you. In a world where, where you can find almost every different path to the same thing, this is the only path to this hope. I want to challenge you, maybe instead of logging into Facebook, to logging into scriptures, instead of texting gossip or whatever, start texting prayers. 
and loving each other till it hurts. I want to invite you, if you are in that place, to come talk to one of us. Come talk to myself, Pastor Ike. We would love to chat with you if you're like, man, I've never felt that joy before. And I want to, I want to tap into that. We would love to work with you. Let's pray. Lord God, you are an everlasting God, and, and, and you're beyond our imagination. And here we are confronted in a crossroads in Scripture with, with, the, with the happiness that's flimsy from this world and, and, and challenged to accept a, a hope that releases this joy that you can't explain, that surpasses our conditions, our circumstances, God. And, and we pray that you would just, in this season, reawaken a joy. Maybe we, we haven't felt joy in a long time. We don't even know what that, that's just a word that we, that we say around Christmas or, or when we want to be very Christian at church. But God, we pray that you would awaken joy, a real joy that is rooted in an eternal source. Thank you so much, God, because we know that you're the only one who can awaken that. Not our friends, not our family members. Our parents can't pray that for us. That is something that has to flow out of ourselves, our own identity. So Lord God, we, I don't know what obstacles we all have to go through here. Maybe some of us have situations in our life we've got to work through and we're like, how am I supposed to experience joy in this? God, we pray that you would make a way that you would make a way and that you would just flow through us, God. Thank you for your word and we pray that it would leave us never the same. In your name we pray, amen.